0: We're turning to the epistle of Galatians, and I would ask you, please make sure your mobile phone's turned off, or there's nothing can interrupt the meeting more than a phone going off in the middle of it, just make sure that it's turned off or silenced or or something like that where the uh, Paul's epistle to the Galatians. Paul wrote the book of Romans to tell them what the gospel was. And he wrote the book of Galatians to tell them what the gospel was not. And so for four Thursday night, Wednesday nights we'll be studying in this uh, very relevant epistle for these days in which we live in. And I hope you have your Bible with you and you keep your Bible open as we read and as we minister to you. Uh, tonight for the Lord certainly has spoken to me. I've never preached from this, Oh well I've preached texts and verses and bits here and there but I've never taken the book and preached from it. We'll not have time to do that in four weeks but we will go further into it than I have gone uh, before. So I want you to uh, gaze at chapter 1 and the verse 1. I hope you found your place. It's a 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, and then after that you have Ephesians. He begins with Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Let me stop a wee moment. There, not called by men and not sent by man. It was no presbytery, no leader's board, no elder's board that sent the Apostle Paul out into the ministry to his work. Nobody came to. Paul, and said, Paul, I think you'd be a good man to go down to Galatia and to preach the gospel. I think you'd be suitable to that. doesn't matter what people think. And doesn't matter what men say. If we haven't the word of God, then it's futile to go at all. You see, our country, our province, is coming down with many ministers and many pastors who have no call of God upon their lives, and that is evident. If you want to look around the situation tonight, there's plenty of clones about. People who tow their denomination denominational line. As Oliver Green used to say, men, uh, men who are on the conveyor belt are all the same. Whatever your denomination line is, you just go along with that. But our land this day needs something different. Our land today needs men and women if there's work for women to do and there's plenty, called of God to do it. And we are suffering as a result of people and churches sending men on their own whims without any word from God. To be sent, you have to be saved. And to be saved and sanctified, that's the need for the hour in our land. And I'm praying every day that God will raise up men sent from God with a word from heaven. John the Baptist was a man sent from God. The word apostle means a sent one. These Judaizers and legalistic Jews, whom you'll see as we go into this scripture, they attacked Paul's message to the churches at Galatia. And I say the churches at Galatia because there were five churches in Galatia. Galatia was, was a region, and there were five different churches in it. And so they attack the churches... But to attack the church, they have to attack the man. And so the first thing they did was they attacked Paul, the apostle, the man. And so he starts off by saying, Paul, an apostle, not of men. You see, they were attacking him and saying that he wasn't an apostle at all. Now you will notice that whenever the enemy tries to attack a work he 'll attack the leaders of the work. We have seen it here, and they were saying this man paul he 's not an apostle at all. There were twelve apostles, there was eleven, and then Judas he went off, and they had uh, called matthias and In the upper room, remember, he was brought in in place of Judas, but he was never supposed to be an apostle, Matthias. You never hear of him after that again. And I believe, and many other people and scholars believe, that Peter moved too quick. This was the twelfth apostle. And they said because he didn't uh, live with Christ and work with Christ, he couldn't be apostle. But he said himself that he, last of all, was seen of me. And Paul had an encounter on the Damascus Road when he was ordained as the 12th apostle. So he's getting his credentials right here. He says, I am an apostle, I am a sent one. And he says, I am sent from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I am sent from the risen Lord. That's what he says in verse 1. So he nails down his credentials. Secondly, you see Paul's creed here. Let's read on into verse 2. And all the brethren, they backed him, all the brethren which were with me unto the churches of Galatia. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I call that Paul's creed. A creed is something that we keep repeating. And in many of Paul's 14 epistles, he talks about grace and peace. And grace always comes first. And can I say to you tonight, you can't have peace with God without the grace of God. Now, you can't have the peace of God that passeth all understanding without the grace of God. Grace is the first thing. Unmerited grace of God in our life. That was his creed. We're saved by grace. That's the source. And we have peace through the grace. That's the supply. Paul puts Grace and peace, always grace first. John, Jesus, all put it in that order. But not only do we see the credentials here and the creed here, but you see the crucifixion here. And you'll never go far into Paul's letters until you come to the cross. And in verse 4 he says, Who gave himself for our sins... That he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. What a mighty verse that is. You see, you gaze at that verse for a wee moment as we come on down to what we're going to say tonight. And the first thing you have in that verse, now I'm teaching the Bible tonight. The first thing you have in that verse is substitution. Who gave himself... For us. You never forget that. Died he for me who caused his pain. For me who him to death pursued. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? There's substitution here. Secondly, there's redemption here. That he might deliver us from this present evil world oh what a truth bought out and brought out of this old ungodly world the day you and I were saved he lifted us out of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his son brought us from darkness into light redeemed how I love to proclaim it redeemed by the blood of the lamb but you not only have substitution here who gave himself for us, and redemption here, that he might deliver us from this evil world. But according to the will of God our Father, and that's election. As far as God the Father was concerned, we are redeemed. You know, I was often think to myself, I was saved when I was chosen by God before the foundations of the world, and so were you. Before the hills in order stood, away back in eternity past. Before the mountains of morn, or before the mountains across the long broad, broad acres of this earth. Tonight, let me tell you, away back in eternity past, he chose you and I to be saved. What a mighty doctrine, the doctrine of predestination and the doctrine of election. And we were saved a day that God, away in eternity past, in his sovereign will, selected us. That's as far as God the Father was concerned. As far as God the Son was concerned, we were saved when he gave himself for us at that place called Calvary, 2,022 years ago, on the cross of Calvary. He died for me he gave himself for me. I was saved that day. That's, of course, when I came. If I came, you have to come. But I and, and yourself, my friend, the saved tonight. We're not only saved by God, the father away in election, in, in eternity past, and when he died on the cross at Calvary, But I was saved on the last day of May 1970. That was the Holy Spirit moved in my life. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost all involved in it. Hallelujah. It's a mighty thing to be saved tonight. As far as God the Holy Ghost is concerned when he moved upon you and I that he had elected the way in eternity past when he moved upon you and I and showed us the cross where he died. And we were saved from her sin. Let us read on verse five, To whom be glory forever and ever, And may indeed, how would we not praise him? Praise him tonight, my friend, if you're saved and born again and on your way to heaven, and never forget these old gospel truths, and rejoice in it tonight. And then he says, "I marvel that you're so soon removed from." him that called you unto the grace of God unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And as we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men, or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. That will do us for the moment. And God will bless to us the reading of his word. You know, I don't know, and I'm studying the scriptures quite a while, I don't know of any of Paul's 14 epistles, or indeed any epistle or letters in the New Testament, that sets forth the state of the modern-day church as the, the 66 chapters in Galatians. I say the Galatian churches because, let me reiterate again, there were five churches in Galatia. Galatia was a region in Asia Minor. There was the church of Antioch and Pisidia and Iconium and Lystra and Derb. And if you want to read about things that happened in those churches, you need to go to Acts chapter 13 and 14. And if you study Acts chapter 13 and 14 along with the book of the Epistle of Galatians, you'll be mightily blessed. Paul came into this region of Galatia on his first missionary journey. And he preached the gospel in all fullness and power. Now some think that he was there back and forward three times, but this was the first time we're reading about here. And during a short stay here, he and Barnabas, some notable things happened, and you will remember them when you recall the scriptures. First of all, there was the healing of the lame man at Lystra. Acts 14 tells us that he was crippled from his mother's womb and when Paul saw him, Paul with a loud voice says, stand up, and he leaped and he walked and he was set free. And then Paul was stoned at Lister, remember, and he was left for dead. Some think he did die. And when he lay there dying on the road when they'd stoned him, after preaching and setting up these churches, after seeing Scores of soul saved, they turned against him, and they stoned him, and it was there that he was caught up into heaven and saw things unspeakable. Because 14 years after, he tells us, 14 years ago, I was caught up into the heavens, and God showed me things in heaven that I can't even speak about. And they traced it back to that time when he lay half dying on the road. Sometimes it's good, you know, to be injured. Sometimes it's good to be laid aside. Sometimes it's good to be sick. Because it's only there and God can minister to us and speak to us when he puts us on our back. And maybe he'll have to do that with some of us in order that he can get his word to us. For we're far too busy in these days in which we lived. So there was the healing of the man at Lystra, there was the stoning of Paul, there was being caught up into the glory, and there was, there was hundreds of souls saved. And these five churches, in, in these five cities, there was churches formed, and they were mightily blessed. And after he was stoned, he had to leave, and for over a year he didn't hear anything about them. But in a short period of a year or so, he heard news from them that wasn't good. And I want to say to you as a pastor for many years, the saddest news that can ever reach any minister, pastor, evangelist, was the news that reached the Apostle Paul regarding the churches in Galatia. The enemy had come in in less than a year like a flood. And he had divided and he had deluded, deluded the people. He had infiltrated leaders that paralyzed the witness of that early grown lovely church that corrupted the word of God. And the very same thing is going on today. This was a fierce, brutal, subtle, relentless Sudden attack upon the people. Look at verse 6. Now here's what Paul's saying to them. He says, I marvel. I am dismayed. I I am amazed that you have abandoned, that you have moved from him that called you into the grace of God onto another gospel. He could hardly take it in in so short a time. You know, of all Paul's epistles, if not all of them, he starts with praise and he starts with thanks and he starts with prayer for the people. Not here. Not to the Galatian church. He goes straight for the juggler. He goes straight in. Not one word of commendation, not one word of encouragement. Boiling over with holy indignation, he goes straight in to them. He says, I can't understand. Oh, he says, how you so quickly turned away from the truth of the gospel of the Christ that died and rose again, and you neglected so quickly the grace of God. Now, here lies the problem. And I want you to get this into your heart, and you think of the day in which we live. These legalizers, these Jews were Jews. These legalizers, these Judaizers, these Jews. What they were saying was this. And I say again, this is something that needs to be exposed in the day in which we live. What they were saying is this we don't mind you being born again, we don't mind you calling yourself Christian. We don't mind Paul preaching the gospel that Christ died and buried and rose again. That's truth. We don't mind that at all. But you see, what they're saying is, but it's not enough. It's not enough. You have to add to that the Jewish rules and regulations and feasts and circumcision. All right, you say you're a Christian. That's all right. Everybody's a Christian now. Naomi Long says she's a Christian. Everybody's a Christian now, and you can almost legislate and do for what you like. We don't mind that, but what we do want, what you do need is you need to add the feasts, the Jewish feasts, These Gentiles, it's not enough just to be saved. It's not enough just to listen to Paul. Paul's right and far as he goes, but you need to be circumcised. You need the feasts. You need need the the, uh, other things that go along with the Jewish law, circumcision as well. But Paul comes with this robust statement. In verse 8 he says, He says, but though we are an angel from heaven, he's he's going straight for them and he's saying, no, 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 you add nothing to the gospel. He says, though we are an angel from heaven, he doesn't say if Peter preaches another gospel or John preaches another gospel, but Gabriel, Michael, the archangels of heaven, if one of you preach another gospel, you're accursed. Poho. Would we not need that thundered out today? Do you know what the word cursed is? It's an anathema. It's to be wiped out, cursed into everlasting hell and flame. That's what it means. Make, Gabriel, any man, any woman preaches another gospel, but it's not another gospel, for there's only the one gospel, and he corrects himself, there's only the one gospel. He says, let him be accursed. Twice, in verse 8 and verse 9, he uses that word, accursed. John Wesley says, when the Methodist church ceases to preach the gospel, they don't deserve to exist. Well, Let me tell you, there's a whole lot of churches other than the Methodist church. The old Methodist church has ceased to preach the gospel in all its power. And that's where I'm trying to call the church back into in these days. How did the enemy do such damage in so short a time? How did he infiltrate these five churches that were on fire for God and born again by the Spirit and he's speaking to Christians? How so suddenly and how subtly what happened here? Well, you'll just keep your train of thought and think the way we are in our land today. And I can tell you it wasn't through persecution, although the stone Paul he rose up, he came back. It wasn't through persecution or stoning or placarding. They tried that in the some years back in the early church and it didn't work. They have tried, the enemy has tried that during the years, but it doesn't work. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, the covenanters, and the old Anabaptists, and the reformers. And in the, in, in, uh, in the early scriptures we read that in the Egyptians, the The more that they slew the Jews, the more Pharaoh slew the Jews and slew the children, the more they grew and waxed stronger and stronger. No, the devil knows he can't put them down like that. He got that message. And he got it here. So he has other ways of infiltrating the church and paralyzing the church and leaving them just like community centers How did he do this? How did he do it? How, how was it done? It was done by tinkering and adding to and polluting and tainting the gospel. You need to keep the laws and keep the traditions and keep the ceremonies and keep the feasts as well as Christ. Paul says No. No. No, Paul says, let that man or woman, let him be accursed. Paul's saying is all grace, no law. All faith, no works. All Christ, no Moses. All spirit, no flesh. God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Once you start tinkering and adding to and taking away, we have more translations in our land today and many of them should be burnt. Now I'll show you where the problem is. Turn over to chapter 3 and verse 1. Here's the problem. And here's the problem tonight in Ulster. And I don't care what church you talk about. I'm not interested in denominations any longer. Sick of them. Verse 1. Oh. Whenever you get that word, oh. Oh. By Jeremiah or Jesus or any of the servants of God as of a broken heart. They can't even find words to articulate what they want to say, and it's just "Oh." And here's what he's saying to his dear people that he's seen, saved, and you'll see in a moment he traveled for them. He says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? J.B. Phillips says, Oh, you stupid idiots. And John MacArthur reiterates that Oh, you stupid idiots, you senseless people, what happened to you? Who? has bewitched you. Not where were you bewitched? Not what were you bewitched with? But who he's speaking about a person? Who? There's an enemy here. Just flick your page to chapter 5 and verse 7. Where do you see this? Does this speak to some of you here tonight? Or some of you listening to me? Ye did run well. There was a time you used to go well, wasn't there? There was a time there's a lot of people not in this meeting tonight and they used to run well for God, but they're no interest in prayer tonight. They have no interest in the family altar tonight. They have no interest in God tonight at all. He says, you did run well. Who? twas wasn't the work and it wasn't just the business and it wasn't the recreation and it wasn't the woman you married or the man you married. Behind it all, there's an enemy. Who did hinder you? That ye should not obey the truth. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Why have you not obeyed the truth? Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Are you a rebel to God tonight. You're a believer, but you're a rebel tonight. You rebel against things God chose you to do, and you'll not do them. Back to three and one. See this word, bewitched, comes from the realm of sorcery. Witchcraft. Is used sometimes in the hoodwinking and the evil eye. You ever hear that phrase? The wink and the nod of the Messiah and other orders. There's a mixture. There's a mixture of God. There's a mixture of God and there's a mixture of good and there's a mixture of evil. And you can't have it. You can't have it. What he's saying here in the words are this, who has spellbound you? I want to say a wee word just about the Masonic order because let me tell you this, I've witnessed to more people from the Masonic order and I've never saw one of them saved. Now other people can say different. I tell you, if you take the oaths of the Masonic and you believe what the Masonic order teaches, I tell you it'll throw a spell over your mind. Oh, you'll go to church, all right, and you'll sing the hymns, all right, and you'll even go to a prayer meeting, all right, but you'll never get through to God. I have witnessed, and I have witnessed, and I'm witnessing to a very, very, very high professional man in this land of ours and it's just like that. My friend, we must realize tonight that there's a spell, there's a sorcery going on, there's a covering of the minds of the people of God. Why are we having so many prayer meetings? Why are there so many denominations? Why are there so many gospel missions and tent missions? And yet very little happens. Why is it that churches will not announce our meetings, evangelical churches? How is it how is it that people want nothing to do? Only slander us and try to put us out of here. Why is that? There's a demonic spell. And I have to laugh sometimes at people saying to me, oh, we're in the Laodicean period. Indeed we are. We're miserable and wretched and poor and blind and naked. And he says, I'll spew you out of my mouth. But the very ones that are saying it, that's the very way they are. And they don't know it. They don't see it. There's a blockage. There's a blockage. The God of this world has blinded the minds. Nothing else could have brought these churches down to the state that they were in. Nothing more more could have had these believers that were breaking bread and remembering the Lord and were baptized. Nothing, Nothing, only the devil could have them lining up to be circumcised Gentiles. The marks of the flesh. Nothing more could have them keeping the feast of Jehovah that they knew nothing about. Nothing more could have them keeping the Ten Commandments and the Torah. Is it any wonder Paul's so indignant? How would I feel tonight? And thank God I saw uh, a right few souls in my time. How would I think tonight if they were at the table here on a Sunday and they went to Mass after or before it? How do you think we would think if they went down into the tank and they'd come out and say, now I love the Lord with all my heart and with all my soul. I'm belonging to him now. I'm born again by the Spirit and I'm going to stand for the Lord. And they're in a pub that night. God help us. W.A. Criswell says this, the devil placed them under a spell. And what Paul is saying, this is what Chriswell says, what Paul has said, who is the magician that works such a devastating work in a short time? Oh, how angry and vexed Paul must have been. This man of God who prayed his heart out for him watching and listening and imbibing these lies from these deceptive Judaizers. And he, in verse 1 it says at the end that before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among them. He can't understand it when he comes to the cross and he painted the picture of the cross and Christ dying, stripped on the cross and crowned with thorns and dying for their sins, that they could go and do something like this. It would have been bad enough, I would be thinking, he was thinking, it would be bad enough if you listened to his miracles and listened to his parables and, and you'd have seen him raising the dead and all the things that he did, but oh, oh, to come to the cross. To trample under our feet, the precious blood. You can't take it in. I was reading somewhere some time ago where this evangelist, whether well, it was Billy Graham or some of them his years back, led a Muslim to the Lord, and when he led him to the Lord and asked Jesus Christ into his heart, he got up and he says, Hallelujah, I have Jesus and Allah. No, he hasn't. No, no. I have the master and I have Mary and I have Jesus. No, you haven't. I follow the teachings of Joseph Smith, but I have Jesus in my heart. I'm born again. Everybody's born again. Born again kitchens, I've seen a sign up for them. No, you're not. Oh, I'm a Christian and I'm born again and I can drink and I can live with another man and I can live with another woman and I can do. No, you cannot. No, you will not want to. That's the point. This is not legalism, and rules and laws that we're talking about. This is grace. This is love. This is mercy. I tell you that morning, the Lord saved me, I never had any desire to go back to the drink or to the dances or to the old boys. Not at all. At a new life, new creature in Christ Jesus. Give me Jesus, Jesus only. I possess a cluster rare. He's the lily of the valley and the rose of Sharon Fair. I love him with all my heart tonight. And every day I put all on the altar to him and I want nothing else. I have sufficient one of him. I don't need to add anything to it, my friends. Neither do you. Christ is all and all. Now we're going to close with chapter 4 and verse 13. I'm back next week and we'll give you chapter 4 and verse... Obviously with four weeks we can't do an expounding study on it, but here's how Paul loved them, and how they loved Paul. Now watch these verses. Ye you know how through infirmity of the flesh, and Paul had problem with his eyesight, and we know that. I preached the gospel unto you at first. And my temptations and testings which was in my flesh, ye despised not, nor rejected. Watch this now. But ye received me as an angel of God, even as Jesus Christ. Boy, they received him. Boy, they were glad to see him. Oh man, they were praising him and thanking him. Then read on. Where is then the blessedness you speak of? For I bear you record that it had been possible you'd have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Boy, they thought something of them. Didn't you think something of them at one time? Far more than you do now. Wouldn't you have done anything for him at one time for the Lord? Wouldn't you get down one day on your knees and say, Lord, I'll surrender all? But you never did. Hmm? You would have plucked out your own eyes. And you'd give given to me. That was a year. That was, that was, that was just a year or so. Verse 16. Am I therefore become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. They zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you that you might affect them. But it is good to be zealously affected in a good thing. And not only when I am present with you, Now watch this, and this is what we're closing with tonight. My little children. That's the only time you'll get Paul using that phrase. You'll get Jesus using it, you'll get John using it. But the only time you'll get him using my dear loving children. Now watch this. Of whom I travail in birth Again until Christ be formed in you. Now you hit the word again there. He traveled first of all to release them from the bondage of sin. He traveled, and that word is a woman given birth weeping and crying and groaning for them when he came down and before he came down, he wept and he cried and he groaned that they would be delivered from their sin. But he says, now I have to do that again. This was the first of all to release them from the bondage of sin, but now he's crying and travailing again to re- lift them from the burden of sin. Tell me, are you a burden tonight? Are you caught up in something tonight? And you're not free in the gospel. For he that the Son sets free is free indeed. Are you bound tonight with rules and regulations? And fear of man? Fear of a husband? Fear of a wife? No freedom. What's the text again? My. Dear beloved little children of whom I travail and groan and weep in birth again. Not that they would be born again. It's not saved and lost. Don't be taking that out of this verse. The word is there. Formed as the word embryo, it's a little baby in the mother's womb. Physically, he's thinking about. We have the spiritual application to it, it's a spiritual application. But what are you saying here? I travelled and I prayed, and you were born again, and the, through the gospel of Christ and. Baptized and you're remembering the Lord at the Lord's table, but He never was formed in you. You remained the same. You just remained as that wee baby. There was no shape and no form, no manifestation of growth. And I want to say honestly from my heart that I spend more time in this assembly traveling not for sinners but for saints, supposedly saints. And I want to say that from a pastor's heart tonight. My wife knows. For there are so many, many, many people coming to this fellowship and Christ was never formed in them. There's no sign of Christ. No sign. No shape. No manifestation of Christ. Not alike, nothing like Christ. And to have to pray and intercede to get people through to the Lord and then look down and hear about them and see them and what they're doing and what they're going, never maturing. I say I'm traveling, that Christ would be formed. That word formed is meta, also metamorphosis. Changed. transformed, translated, changed. Oh yes, saved and going to the table and singing the hymns. But no life, no liberty, no freedom, no joy. And you know why I'm hitting truth tonight. And I know it. And I tell you the problem with our land is not the protocol and it's not Sinn Féin. The problem with our land is the church. And until those backsliders and cold and carnal Christians who have no life, no liberty, and are in bondage to soaps and in bondage to so many other things. They can't get free, they can't get loose from some past forgive thing that they need forgiveness for, something they need prayed for. Listen, you be man or woman enough to seek the elders for prayer in this house. I, the man rang me last night, and I tell you, I, I there's hardly a week was passed, but I have somebody contact me in bondage, bondage. You in bondage tonight to something? And you've never really dealt with it, and because you've never really dealt with it, Christ has not formed in you. There's, I tell you, Mary, uh, Elizabeth wasn't long, long present, uh, and Mary, Mary and Elizabeth both, they weren't long, they weren't long. Uh, Pregnant until there are signs. A woman will not be that long pregnant until there are signs. There will be a shape. There will be a form. There's a new life in there. And as time goes on, it gets greater and greater until there's a deliverance. Paul says, I'm travailing. I'm travailing in pain for you people because you have been duped and duped and deceived. And when you add something to the gospel of Christ, you can't have growth. When you tinker with the word of God and put stuff in that doesn't belong to God unless you have the pure, clear gospel and the pure, clear gospel preached in power, men and women then will grow and men and women will be moved and when men and women start to get Christ in them and begin to show Christ in them, we're moving towards revival. My little children, of whom I travail in birth, I tell you that word jumped at me again. I said, again, Paul, what do you mean? Well, I did travail for it. And any minister or pastor worth of salt will travail. And let me tell you this, any minister or pastor worth of salt Will be two, three and four hours a day in intercessory prayer in his own. And I would say to you ministers and pastors out there that are tom tomfool- you are fooled. Oh foolish Galatians. Foolish. There has to be travail before this birth. There has to be weeping and there has to be pain. My little children, listen, you parents tonight, let me say from a heart that is full tonight. you parents tonight, you need to start travailing. That Christ would be formed, that they begin to look like Christ. That our children that profess to be saved, that they'll begin to look. You not have to hoke about and know, is that one saved or is she saved or not? Where's the signs? Oh, who has betwitched you? Who has betwitched you? Remember what Jesus said? Or what is said about him in Isaiah? And he shall see the travail of a soul and be satisfied. Do you know? I believe the Lord Jesus. I don't believe it at all. I know from the word three, four passages of Scripture that He ever liveth to make intercession. For us, and he prays for us every day. He intercedes every day for you, believer. You didn't pray the day he prayed for you. And if I didn't pray for you, the day he prayed for you. And if I did pray for you and you prayed, he still prays for you. What would it be that his intercession has more to do? Not for your protection, not for your blessing but that he would be formed in you. That you'd become more like him and less like yourself and that you would grow and that people would know that is a man, that is a woman. Not because of the table or because of the baptism tank, but in your life and in your walk because you're going to deal with all the lusts of the flesh. And we'll touch these some other night. You know you've listened very intently tonight. And God bless you for that. And I pray that the Lord has spoken to you tonight. Let us bow in prayer.